see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. The pharmaceutical industry white paper from the PMMI Business Intelligence Committee explores how the dominant trends in this market are shaping the future of pharmaceutical processing and packaging. Today on this podcast, we take a deeper dive into the white paper with Donna Ritson, president of DDR Communications. Donna discusses how the COVID-19 pandemic disrupted pharmaceutical production and how that disruption will affect the industry in the short and long term. She also highlights that for one of the rare times, pharma companies are open to input and cooperation from OEMs in order to find ways to prevent this deep of a disruption in the future. And it is our pleasure to welcome back one of our most frequent guests, Donna Ritson. Thanks, Sean. I've always enjoyed being with you. Well, you are our business intelligence uh, guru. So let's delve into the pharmaceutical industry. And before we even get involved with the trends and the uh, white paper that was done and the report, let's just take a, a step back for a second. And can you, you know data better than anyone. Can you give us a brief overview of kind of what the financial landscape is of the pharmaceutical machinery market right now? Absolutely, Sean. And, and that's always a, a really good place to start. So in this report, we use the 2021 um, PMMI State of the Industry, and that reports that the pharmaceutical machinery sales have really grown steadily over the last decade, reaching about, I hate to throw out a lot of numbers, but I'll do some statistics here. It's reaching about 800 million in 2020. Now, keep in mind that the pharmaceutical segment is less than 10% of the overall machinery market that the state of the industry report shows. But the good news for suppliers in this is that the pharmaceutical machinery sales are predicted to grow at a CAGR of 7.6% through 2026. And that's actually outpacing the rate of the U.S. packaging machinery overall, which is forecast to grow at 5.2%. And also another interesting note that that comes out of the uh, State of the Industry report is that the pharmaceutical segment dominated two important machine categories in 2020. And that's filling and closing machines, and and certainly not surprising that it was blister skin and vacuum packaging machinery. Like you said, that that makes sense that it would be those machine types. 
And this all sounds like obviously great news for pharmaceutical equipment makers. It seems like pharmaceutical machinery with all the regulations and stuff, it doesn't get updated or have huge improvements as much as food and beverage, which we deal with so much on here. So I guess, what about pharmaceutical products themselves? What impact are the actual drugs having on the growth in pharmaceutical equipment? This is a really good point to hone in on, Sean. The pharmaceutical industry really is experiencing some fundamental changes in the drug formats themselves. Specifically, injectable drugs, they're becoming much more common than they were even just a few years ago. So if the predictions hold true for both revenue and growth, we're going to see by the end of this year that injectable drug market will have grown 100% since 2016, which when's the last time we've heard of such major growth going on? Yeah, right. 100%. And we can even find further support of this growth in injectables from the FDA list of approved drugs. So we took a look at this list and two out of five new drugs approved in recent years have actually been in injectable formats. And, you know, let's keep in mind, this doesn't mean that traditional formats like tablets and capsules are disappearing. I mean, far from it. Those are still the dominant drug formats in our industry. But the significant growth in injectable drug options is really shaking up some important pharmaceutical manufacturing operations. Yeah, that's interesting to hear because, yeah, obviously, you know, tablets and capsules are how we've, you know, ingested drugs for years. But to, to hear this about injectables, injectables is, is news to me. So I, I mean, what would that mean for the drug manufacturers and the pharmaceutical OEMs? Well, the expansion of injectable drugs really now allows the pharmaceutical manufacturer to bring their variety of drugs or their variety of medications um, by offering different drug formats. We spoke to one of the engineers at a large generic pharmaceutical company, and he shared with us that they're moving away from amples and vials to more pre-filled syringes. So we're hearing this significantly in the interviews that we did for this report. And if we want to take this one step further, the diversity with injectables itself it's also expansive within that market. So you could have auto injectors all the way to pre-filled syringes. And this means that the manufacturers are having to accommodate more machine changeovers with this wider variety of injectables that they have to choose from. So for pharmaceutical OEMs and suppliers, this really means machine flexibility has got to be top of the list for design. It comes down to being able to handle more formats, being able to do that with more efficient changeovers. And as we learned in the report, in the interviews that we undertook, three out of five of the leading pharmaceutical companies are planning to increase their capital budgets or at least spend at the same level. And that's really to help them advance automation. That includes robots and cobots. And this certainly means opportunity in the industry. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I was trying to wrap my head around the, the injectable part. And you explained it pretty well, because, you know, if you're trying to eliminate, you know, having to have vials, you just have the medication already in there. So I, I got a, a handle on that. So that was a great explanation on your end. Beyond acquiring 
additional machinery? Are there other solutions that pharmaceutical manufacturers are turning to when they're looking to bolster their production capabilities? Absolutely, they are. And one key strategy that keeps coming up in our interviews is outsourcing. So drug makers, they're increasingly turning to contract partners to help them really round out their production capabilities and manage any type of overflows that they might have. And we know there are several reasons, and and we've listed them in the report, why contract users are so important. And one of those could be that the pharmaceutical manufacturer may lack certain capabilities in-house. So they find it easier to turn to a contract packager to fill that void. You know, for instance, like packaging a unique type of auto injector might not be the type of equipment that the pharmaceutical manufacturer has in-house. And a second topic is digitization. This isn't a new topic. This is something that's occurring across all industries. We know that, pharmaceutical manufacturers included. They're just all seeking to gather more data from the sources across their operations. So the goal here is to leverage this so-called big data into meaningful improvements, um, like synchronizing essential changeovers that have needed maintenance so that they're minimizing downtime. In this goal of even greater digitization, it also aligns very neatly with the rapid approaching requirements to the Drug Supply Security Act. Okay, so you you just mentioned the, the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, and I, it's something that I feel like it's been spoken about and, and kind of been on pharmaceutical manufacturers radar and in all the you know b2b publications about pharmaceuticals for years now and with the final kind of compliance deadline approaching in 2023 how's the industry responding as you pointed out this is not a new topic for the industry manufacturers are well aware of this dscsa compliance deadline coming up and the majority of the manufacturers that we have spoken with they've certainly undertaken all the steps they need to meet approaching compliance deadlines but there remained about one in four that we interviewed that still have more work to do so This really lends itself to the OEMs and suppliers. There are opportunities out there to continue to work with these companies to help them meet their compliance deadlines. And that could be in a variety of situations. They might be looking for new machines. They might be integrating existing machines to get that digital data and that digital reporting that they need or implementing management software that's going to bring all of that together into one cohesive location. So there really are numerous reasons why these manufacturers are not yet compliant. But the key takeaway here is that most of these companies that still have some compliance um, regulations that they need to meet, they still are looking for outside help to, to help them be compliant. Interesting. Okay, so beyond that, is there another key message or overarching theme that readers, you know, listeners to this podcast, you know, should kind of expect to get from this white paper? Absolutely, Sean. I can kind of summarize here. And there's a lot of information in this report. As we know, white papers have a tendency to to bring some really valuable insight from 
the perspective of the users. One of the most interesting findings that we discovered through our, our interviews and our research is that the stakeholders across the pharmaceutical industry are really more open now to cooperation. Let me elaborate on this just a little bit for our listeners. We all know that COVID-19 really pinched a lot of stakeholders at all levels in the industry and really across all industries with the widespread shortages and slowdowns. This created a lot of challenges and they're not really fully resolved yet, certainly. So this is a universal pain that really has changed the perspective of many in the pharmaceutical industry. We know the stakeholders are protective of their data, their processes, and and their operations, and, and that's certainly justified, particularly in such a highly competitive market. But the stakeholders have concluded they need to find ways to prevent this deep disruption in the future. So many of the stakeholders that we spoke with have expressed interest in sharing information with an overall agreement to achieve greater cooperation and and coordination going forward to help alleviate this problem if it ever occurs again. This isn't to say that drug makers are throwing open their doors and they're going to open everything to their competition. That's not what I'm saying, but it does signal a significant shift in, in working together to solve mutual problems. So if we bring this back to our listeners full cycle, there's an opportunity for OEMs and, and suppliers to step in and help advise these companies how to most effectively increase this industry cooperation. So let's just think for a minute sort of outside the box. Um, Maybe one of these forms that it takes is imagine something like a blockchain-based repository of accessible information in the future where all of these stakeholders share in contributing and benefiting from something like that. But most important really here, the takeaway is that OEMs and suppliers, they have a real opportunity to help facilitate this coordination and this cooperation across the industry. And and certainly in that process, developing strong and and lasting relationships. Very interesting. There's there's so much to learn, obviously, about the trends that are dominating the, the pharmaceutical industry and shaping the production and packaging needs of drug manufacturers. Um, so I urge our listeners to to get your hands on the full white paper, Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Trends Shaping the Future um, on PMMI.org. That's, that's going to give you, you know, just the basics to kind of get you headed in the right direction. And there is also going to be a webinar that Don is going to be participating in that will be up on PMMI.org that you can go back and watch where you can uh, you can put a face to the name. And you can also hear Donna go a little bit deeper on some of the, the facts in there. But but again, the best thing to do is to make sure that you download that white paper. Donna, again, I, I can't take, thank you enough for taking time out of your day to come on here and really bring us up to speed on the latest in business intelligence. It's always our pleasure, Sean. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, Go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.